is a holy sound And it's tearing strongholds down It's the sound of liberation The sound of consecration And it's a holy sound It's the sound of victory And it's the song of authority Empowered by the King Who lives inside of me With the holy sound Father, tonight we consecrate and dedicate our lives to you. 
into furthering and advancing your kingdom, Lord. Not ours, but yours. So, Lord, open our eyes to see what you're doing in this hour in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Look in your Bibles. The one scripture I just want you to look at tonight, and it's Acts chapter 2, where Peter is um, quoting Joel chapter 2. And it says in verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Are we in the last days? Got any doubts about that? No. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh... Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire, vapor of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that's a wonderful passage of Scripture. We said the last few weeks, and this is the last night, I'm going to close by, I've been studying three different books on the apostolic church and the fivefold ministry gifts and we started by making this statement saying that God is restructuring His church for the great end-time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This will require change on our part individually. Amen? And corporately as a church. How many of you have gone through any kind of changes this year? Spiritually? Physically? Financially? We've, you know, we're, we're all going through changes, but God is positioning His people, His remnant, getting us ready for this last great outpouring of His Spirit. And I want to be on the front lines. I do not want to miss out on what God is doing. Amen? Now, I want to read this to you again because it was so good, and most of us forgot it anyway. We do. We just were human beings. He quotes Luke 5, verse 37. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Got any old wineskins here? We got any new wineskins? Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. It will be spilled out and the skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. He says, whenever the Holy Spirit fills people with new wine, the structure or organization in which they function must change. Old wineskins rip. New wineskins must be used to hold the additional life and power of God. Now, I I, I don't say this, but I I really believe this, and I think you'll agree with me that we have seen a resurgence of the power of God in our services, in our corporate services, the the gifts of the Spirit, the, the prophecy, and the anointing of God has increased. And it's only going to get stronger. We've seen this principle in operation throughout the history of the church. When Martin Luther received revelation from the Holy Spirit concerning faith and grace, the established church in that day was ripped in two, and a new denomination under Luther was born. I'll skip some of this. John Wesley, the Methodist denomination, also was formed. 
and says, and of course, we've seen how thousands of churches have formed over the last 50 years as members received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with various manifestations. A new wineskin formed each time new wine was poured in. God is pouring new wine into us. Christians all over the world have been crying out to God for a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. Our Lord has never failed His church. Repeatedly, repeatedly, He's brought powerful spiritual awakenings. Many believe that the last outpouring of God's Spirit that is promised in the Bible, Joel chapter 2, will soon take place. The time for God to move is at hand. Therefore, we should expect our present wineskins to rip. Jesus taught, it is impossible to pour new wine into an old wineskin without ripping it. There can be no mighty spiritual awakening in our day without a great shaking of our church organizations, leaders, and structures. If you're looking for the second coming of Jesus, or if you're praying to God to move upon your church, your city, your local schools, is that us? Your family or your own heart, then the first thing you must look for is a new wineskin. Patriots United is a, a wineskin. Convention of States is a wineskin. It's new. It's a new thing. How will the present wineskin of the church be changed? We cannot expect to know the same power of the Holy Spirit that the New Testament believers experienced unless we have wineskins similar to theirs. One of the major changes will have to do with the full operation of what we call the fivefold ministry gifts, which are what? Apostle prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Many Christians have thought that the apostle and prophet were only for New Testament times, but that is wrong. Ephesians 4 tells us that all five of these gifts were given by God to the church until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Well, have we all attained to the unity of the faith yet? No. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ... The church will never reach its fullness, nor any form of unity, until all five ministry gifts are functioning together in the body of Christ. Today, God's raising up leaders who have these gifts. The church is now undergoing a major reformation in its structure that will enable it to handle a great outpouring of God's Spirit. So, we've talked about that for six or seven weeks how God is restructuring the church. And uh, I think you would agree with me. There are a lot of old wineskin churches out there. You know, and, and we can become an old wineskin church too. But I refuse to. You know, I look back and I think we could have done this. We could have done this sooner. We could have, you know, I could have done this. I Forget about it. Just thank God we are where, where we're at right now, that we know God's moving, we're on board, we're hearing the new sounds from heaven. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to read to you, it's written by a woman, and boy, it's, it's, it's powerful. There's some good stuff in here. So I, ha I went through, I spent a long time trying to figure out what I could give you, and, uh, because there's so much in here. But I'm going to talk and share with you what she wrote about the fivefold ministry gifts. It says, with the ministry being fivefold, the house is big enough for the pleasant and precious riches of gifts of all of God's people. 
Apostleship provides a large room for those with visionary gifts that start up new ministries. The prophetic creates a room for the intercessors, worshipers, and all prophetically inclined members of the body. So I don't know about you, I've always been drawn to the prophetic. Since I was a young man, I'd be around ministers that prophesied in tongues and interpretation of tongues. And there's always been a hunger in, in me. So I don't know what your hunger Your hunger doesn't have to be mine, the same as mine. But you should be hungry about something. Amen? Um, she says, Evangelism creates a room for those who long to go out and witness or conduct evangelistic outreaches but need guidance and leadership to do so. The pastoral room creates a place for those whose gifts come alongside members in times of crisis and who are motivated to contact new people or anyone needing encouragement. They're not so much inclined to pray with the prophetic prayers, but they are faithful to pray and follow up on individual needs. Teaching creates a room for those with an unquenchable thirst for the word and revelation knowledge. Amen? Those with great hunger who find a place for that hunger to be satisfied will probably become teachers of the word themselves. All these rooms make a place for everyone's giftings. These five areas of ministry are the gifts given by Jesus to the church when he ascended. They need to honor one another, submit to one another, and allow room for one another in order to have a healthy body. Any pastor can claim to believe in all five and yet keep all the leadership and ministry to himself. God did not create such a plan. Man did. Sink, let that sink in. God's genius in the fivefold ministry deals a death blow to one-man programs, to spiritual hierarchy, to lack of accountability, and to the basic sin of pride in man or woman. Balance is also more easily maintained in such a team-type ministry. The body of Christ benefits in all the different perspectives and different emphasis. This puts an end to churches that are heavy in evangelism but severely lacking in discipleship or those heavy in teaching but lacking in the prophetic, no one ministry office can provide balance for the body, only a team of all the office gifts. No one ministry office can provide balance for the body, only a team of all the office gifts. Culver's, did you ever hear the word team? When you took on that franchise, did he ever mention the word team? Yeah, see, and you got it. Family, key things. This team is not necessarily five individuals. Each person called of God has a different gift mix. An apostle touches all five to some degree. A prophet can also be a very strong teacher. A teacher may also have a pastor's heart. Every group of believers is unique, and this church is about as unique as you'll get. Thank you for that one week. Amen. Several members may make up the team or there may be a larger team. Although God did not invest all the gifts and ministry in one office, in most cases there still needs to be a lead apostle, one specifically sent to that particular place with a strong vision. Nevertheless, let's not put God in a box and become dogmatic about just one way. There have been teams of three or four ministers God has put together, and they are simply equal partners in the work of the ministry. One important point is that there must be one or more visionaries who lead, cast the vision, set a clear course of direction. This fivefold ministry will ideally make up the presbytery eldership of the church. 
Then he quotes Ephesians 4.11. It says, And he himself gave to be the apostles some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. The days ahead we can't afford to be children anymore. I can't say that strong, strong enough. We can't be spiritually immature believers anymore. We have to grow up. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. So who's tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man? Children. And the craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body, for the edifying of itself in love. The objective of the fivefold ministry is this the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, the word equipping in the Greek means complete furnishing. The word for work in the Greek means an act or deed, doing or labor. Then the Greek word for edifying means architecture, structure, or building. The perfecting of the saints is furnishing them with the ability to use their gifts for the work of the ministry and for building up the body of Christ, which is God's building. See, tonight we all have gifts. We were in here worshiping. What's that? Whose phone? <laughs> I thought it was an angel. Yeah. It's all right. I've done it too. I started to say um, tonight when we were worshiping, and, and Dustin was playing the guitar, he's, he, I'm, I'm encouraging, just keep encouraging that kid to step out and play. And he hit a chord and it struck my spirit. And before I even said anything, Caleb said, he comes right up to me and says, he needs to play that again. That did something inside my spirit. See, what was, that was somebody else discerning by the Spirit of God what God was doing. That's why we all are, you know, spirits. He's, he's, he's the father of spirits. And, and we can all hear, we can all receive revelation. It says, um, The perfecting of the saints is furnishing them with the ability to use their gifts for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, which is God's building. We're the great house of God. Have you ever seen a family living in a house without furniture? Yeah. The first thing people do to properly live in a home is what? Furnish it. Right? The first thing a businessman does to start a business is to furnish that business with the proper tools to complete the job. The same goes with the church. God gave five distinct gifts, not one or three, but five to completely furnish the saints. Why do we need to be completely furnished? It is for the work of the ministry, or in other words, for the ability of the saints to minister properly in their own sphere of influence. The fivefold ministry is to the saints to better equip them for the ministry in the home, the school, the workplace, and the government. This is not good works to make points with God as some churches get caught up in. The most rewarding thing in life is working out of those gifts and, des- that, 
and desires inside you and seeing fruit come from the work. So then the fivefold ministry of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers is to enable every believer to shine with their gifts and reflect the light of Jesus as living stones in their place of influence in the world. Having realized the function and importance of each of the five ministries, do we dare go on with the old structure that bars the doors to certain rooms of this great house of God. To do so is to reject parts of Jesus himself. To say we don't need local apostles or prophets is like the physical body trying to live without a brain or a liver. Just changing one's title, now this is good, just changing one's title from pastor to apostle doesn't create an apostolic church either. A title describes function. It's the function of all five that defines an apostolic church. Let me say that again. It's the function of all five gifts that defines an apostolic church. In an apostolic church, every part is valued and given room. In these rooms, ministries are birthed, trained, commissioned, creating a sending church. Here again, we need a change of mindset. Sending is not just to foreign fields or inner cities or to another region. These are legitimate assignments but they're actually fewer in number than the local assignments. Believers are sent to the workplace with a kingdom purpose and message. They're sent into education, into government, into the arts, into media, into every sphere of society. They can only be sent if they're equipped in their gifts. That's what the five-fold ministry is for, equipping the saints so, so that they can be sent with power, authority, and wisdom. I, I don't want to embarrass you. But I don't, he won't be embarrassed. But watching Steve Jessen since I don't know how long they've been here, I lose track of time. But I can remember him coming to my office, and, and, and I didn't know him well, and he began to share his heart and, and some things about convention estates and whatever. And then um, I listened to him some more, and we gave him the opportunity to come before the church and say some things, and, but to go down there to the Capitol and stand there and sit back and watch him do his thing. Tickles me. Blesses me. Not everybody has that desire to rub shoulders. Listen, those senators are no better than you or I. They work for us. And so we hold them accountable. But there's an example of somebody. There's one right here on the airwaves every day. You know, you can use that platform for good. A lot of it's entertainment. But have you used it in a roundabout way to push an agenda? Sure he has. He's probably gotten in trouble or called on the carpet for it. But there's an example of a voice... Amen? you got a taxidermist here. He's going to reach people we wouldn't want to reach. Because they're different. There's nothing wrong with hunters. They're just a different breed, right, Caleb? Amen. But see, everybody has a sphere of influence. Every one of us has a gift to share. And so it's our job is to discern. It's my job to discern what you got in you and then send you out. Amen? 
he, she goes on to say, they can only be sent if they're equipped in their gifts. That's what the fivefold ministry is for, equipping the saints so they can be sent with power, authority, and wisdom. If the door is barred to any one of these rooms, the body becomes lethargic, sickly, and dysfunctional. There's a great dilemma, dilemma in the church today for those who know they're called to the fivefold ministries. Now listen to this statement. Pastors can only take people so far. Pastors can only take people so far. They're needed and valuable for new believers. They're needed to create a family in the body of believers. But look at it this way. When children are living in their parents' home, now don't get all upset, Micah. (laughs) When children are living in their parents' home, are being taught, trained, nurtured, and mentored, the point comes in every child's life when it's time to leave home. The training they want for a certain vocation cannot be learned under their parents. Independence and greater responsibility will not be developed in the nest of the home. There's a world to conquer. There are assignments to fulfill and challenges to meet, except for exceptional circumstances of 35-year-old adults still living with parents as a problem. Micah, you're not 35 yet. How many more years you got, buddy? Quite a few. Okay. Four? You got four? I guess you're both with me now, aren't you? Four more years with that dog and all of you and... Oh, you talk about changes. We got a house full. To remain in that state retards growth. The same is true spiritually. Those, there comes a point where growth levels off under a pastor. Those with motivational gifts of helps may continue forever, satisfied operating under a pastor. The same is not true for prophets and teachers. Pastors cannot develop prophetic ministry, and they would have to step aside to allow teachers to develop in their gift. Those with the call of God must break through the ceiling of pastoral limitations and find an apostolic environment where their gifts can be mentored and released to function. An apostolic church provides everything needed for any kind of ministry development. The concept of having to go away somewhere to learn ministries foreign to New Testament thought. That's good. While the Holy Spirit may lead certain individuals to other places to be mentored by a type of ministry to which they're called to, it should not be necessarily for every gift in the body of Christ to go looking for apostleship that will train and commission them in the ministry. An apostolic church naturally reproduces and releases ministry. Let me say this. I I wrote end here. I wanted to end, but listen to this next statement. This is really good. The church is not a place or an event. It's the family of God. Man, that's good. A minister friend once said, every time someone knocks on your front door, they're knocking on the front door of the church. Isn't that good? That is the way the body of Christ must begin to see itself. Amen? What time is it? I wanted to give you just a little tidbits from, we've still got a few minutes, tidbits from each of the, one of these books. This chapter's entitled Losing Control. <laughs> Breaking out of your comfort zone. How many of you, Dustin, have you kind of broke out of a comfort zone? Sure you have. Anybody else? What does it mean for Jesus Christ to be the foundation of a local church? Simply this. Everything must depend on him. 
Our human insecurity causes us to build in such a way that just in case he doesn't come through, the work can still go on. Knowing how to have good meetings, whether or not God moves in our midst, is a sign of human religion. How foolish we are to continue in such activity. We know we should be totally dependent on the Lord, yet something within us pulls us away from this. We somehow entertain the idea that our efforts will guarantee the success of His kingdom. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Christianity is to be a miraculous experience of God's life. If His manifest presence were to be suddenly withdrawn from a local church, all business as usual activity should stop while the people seek for a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. Nevertheless, instead of building this way, many leaders endeavor to keep the ball rolling. Human effort actually increases as another program As a result, the tendency then is to try to control meetings, the focus of what is ministered, where people should relate, etc. It is true that oversight does involve watching over the flock of God, keeping error out, warning warning younger sheep about situations where they could stumble. Clearly, though, godly oversight is not control. Human nature tends to wield too much control over what goes on in Christian gatherings. Our corporate times together, now this is good, And the river of God are spent with the water up to our ankles, knees, or waist. It feels so good to touch bottom. Enjoy the water of life and, and only go as far as it is comfortable. However... The river cannot take us anywhere until, to, until we totally trust Him and launch out to where it is impossible to stand. <laughs> that's, if you want, that's a good analogy where we're going as a church. Where we can't feel bottom anymore. That scares the bejeebers out of me. It does to most people. We're human beings. Because we want to control the situation so we can stay comfortable Keep the riverbank in sight. But it's coming where he's going to yank the, the rug out from under us. And we're going, to have to, we're going to have to swim, folks. I had a meeting with Brad and Abe and it was kind of a dad and son meeting. And I appreciate Abe caught this because he told me the next or whenever. I told them after I got done chewing on them a little bit. I don't want to go on without them. I don't want to go on without you. So that tells you, I'm not in this for me. I don't want to go on without the rest of the church. Not everybody's going to be on board. You know, I wish everybody could be on board, but it, it, it's realistic. Not everybody's going to join Patriots United. Not everybody's going to eat at Culver's. I do. You got me. I'm sold. I text him every time I'm in there and tell him, this was good today. This was good. That employee's good. Don't I do that to you? Yeah. But not everybody's going to like us, folks. No, he's very good about... He's pretty good about it. Not everybody 
is going to like your leader. Not everybody's going to like your worship leader. Not everybody's going to like the people you got working in, in the sound department or the nursery or the children's church. I mean, we just have to come to grips with that. And, and, like, and I learned from this, and this was good for me, when Cat Carr was, was basically called on the carpet by Mario Morello about the Elvis thing, about her talking about her trips to heaven and how she's seen different people in heaven. And he pulled it out, and he pulled the, the thing off. And um, what was I talking about? I got off on something. I learned from that. And, and uh, not everybody's going to like Cat Carr. Not everybody's going to like that Canadian prophet. Got to see it to believe it. Not everybody's going to like Steve Schultz, Pastor Hank Kuhneman. But we, st- we still got to move forward. We got to move forward. I'm almost done here. Um, when we abandon ourselves to him, the whole work rests solely on him. And we lose control. At this point, meetings will begin to go in directions that the eldership did not plan beforehand. (laughs) God does not always read the bulletin prior to the gathering to make sure he's in order. Years ago, as... I was always so self-conscious about when people come in, new people come in the church. I want them to be happy. I want, I want them to enjoy our worship. I want them to like me as a minister. It's a pipe dream, folks. It just it isn't going to be that way. But we still have to do what God's called us to do and not be easily offended. How many have ever been offended in the past? I had an opportunity tonight to get offended, and Abe helped me because Abe said, I have to guard my heart. He had to guard his heart from being offended. He just said, I'm not going to get offended. And so I have to be the same way. When people don't like me, I can't afford to be offended. Neither can you. Our attempts to keep him within our comfort zone not only reflect our pride, they will consistently be inadequate. He's always breaking out of man-made constraints to express himself more fully. So, folks, I I can't tell you what's going to be like in the days ahead, but we might have some wild Sundays. Thank you. It's going to be good. Jesus did not fit in the comfort zone of the Pharisees. He was just too different from what they were expecting from their Messiah. They were more comfortable with their interpretation of what Messiah ought to look like than with the reality of God himself in their midst. When when he walked out of the temple declaring it to be desolate of God's glory, many did not understand the importance of what was occurring. Similarly, many Christian groups have experienced a diminishing of God's manifest presence in their midst and have not understood either the significance or the reasons why. So all that tonight, all that last few weeks, 
sharing with you is, is basically because on Wednesday night, usually the people that are really hungry are here. And uh, so you've been forewarned. And to be forewarned is to be forearmed. In other words, to be prepared for the days ahead. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Father, we realize that you're doing a work in this place. Corporately, you're doing a work in our hearts individually, in our families. And we want to come in line with your will. Your plans and your purposes. So, Lord, all of us have to make some adjustments in the days ahead. Spirit of grace, help us do just that. To make those spiritual adjustments in in our character, our personality quirks, and especially the words we speak every day. Lord, we want to be used by you to reach a harvest of souls. Because we believe, Lord God, the fields are ripe. And so, Lord, I thank you tonight for raising us up as an apostolic church in the days ahead. A church that will raise up gifts, the gifts in everybody, so we can come together and work together as a team. And accomplish so much for you, Father. Because that's your heart's desire, Father, that we bear much fruit and that our fruit should remain. And so we worship you, we honor you, and we thank you for the privilege of being a part of the body of Christ in these great last days. In Jesus' name, amen. Ellen, whose sister? Ellen. Would you come? And you stand for your sister. What's her name? Jane. And kind of what is her situation? What did they discover? And Cancer. Okay, what's your name again? Jane. So, Father, we come in agreement as a church tonight as, as her sister stands here, Lord, in proxy for, for Jane. We curse every cancer cell in her body. In the name of Jesus Christ, miracle-working God, we thank you for sending a healing word to deliver Jane in this hour and her life from destruction. We bind death and loose that supernatural resurrection life upon her. In the name of Jesus, for healing is in your name, Jesus. Lord, we bind fear tormenting thoughts, and we lose supernatural peace upon Jane's spirit, soul, and body. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Was there, some, was there another prayer request? I was thinking there was somebody else. What? Yeah. Okay, how many of you know Joe that comes to Patriots? Dumble amputee. And Steve was there, and I went over to, to pray with him today, and he's really got an infected, his leg, it just looks terrible. And he, 
bless his heart, Joe doesn't go to doctors. He goes to holistic doctors. And there's nothing wrong with that, but let's pray for him. Father, we thank you for healing to flow into Joe's leg. In the name of Jesus, we curse that infection. We bind it up, and we loose life upon Joe from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Jesus, you bore his sickness, his disease, his pain. And with your stripes, Jesus, we call Joseph healed. Thank you, Lord God, for not only healing his physical body, but, Lord, I thank you by your spirit, encourage him and strengthen him in the inner man in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, this is my request. Father, he needs a new place that would be conducive to his handicap. And so, Lord, you know where that's at. So help Steve find that place for Joe in the name of Jesus and give them favor with the owner and the landlord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. If you guys, if you wouldn't mind going up and getting those folding chairs, and we're going to stack them right here. i got to do a wedding outside Saturday, and so... We're going to have to get these, and uh, they'll come in and get them and set them up. But I need to go upstairs, and we need to bring them down and just put them right there. And then Nate will take care of the boat. Folding chairs. Upstairs. You didn't even know they were up there, did you? We had to make room for salt. God bless you. Thank you.